0: This is Our Changing World on RNZ National, and now, William Ray is off to GNS Science to meet Joe Preble and discover how fossil pollen can be used to paint a picture of past ecosystems.
1: Let's go and have a look at this. Cool.
2: OK, so somewhere deep inside the bowels of the GNS Science campus in Lower Hutt, there's a room full of filing cabinets.
1: We have this glorious old filing cabinet system. Where...
2: Inside it's those cabinets of are of hundreds upon hundreds of slides. And of what's on those slides cedar. is... It basically just looks like dust sort of it on, a, on a little, the slide. A
1: little white dust on the slide. So there's probably a few thousand foraminifera on this particular slide. These
2: slides are the um, results of decades' worth of collection from all over New Zealand. Well, can I just get you to start by just saying your name and position, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, so I'm Joe Prebble, and I work as a um, palynologist helenologist. Yeah. Hellenologist. 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 T for pollen. Right. Okay.
2: Pollen is what's on these slides. Joe Preble is showing me, but not just any pollen. The pollen in these filing cabinets is millions of years
1: old. Each, um, we start with a rock, a rock sample, a sedimentary rock that's been deposited in a lake or under the sea. We want to, d- to dissolve all the all the rock away to get the, the fossil pollen out. So we put it in hydrofluoric acid, which it's quite a nasty acid, and dissolves away all the all the silicate rocks, um, and then we put it in a in another acid, a hydrochloric acid, which dissolves away all the all the carbonate stuff, so all the any shells that might be there, and then we're pretty much left with the organic stuff.
2: So, is it like fossils, where the the actual organic matter has
1: been replaced by some kind of rock, or or is this still these the... are these are more these are still organic. If it hasn't been exposed to air for too long, then it will get buried in the the organic particle stays organic. So it's quite it's quite exciting stuff then. It's basically the, the same thing that dropped that dropped fifteen million years ago. Wow. Um, and, and so what what we have here is is having having extracted the, the pollen out of the rock we uh, lay it onto a, a glass slide with a cover slip over the top and look at it down the microscope. Right. Um. that's our next
2: stop into Joe's office to take a closer look at this fossil pollen. And helpfully,
1: we have a microscope right here. We have one that we prepared earlier. So if you have a look down, mm-hmm. down there, what we're seeing is things with lines on them, which are um, bits of leaf, leaf cuticle, oh, so right. the surface bits of leaves. There's a little fellow with a whole lot of arms coming out of him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a dinoflagellate. It's a algae that lives in the sea. Oh, and really? So this sample is, um, or this rock was deposited just off the coast of, the, of, of New Zealand about three million years ago. Um, and on the bottom right there there's a little triangular yeah. thing um, which is a spore from a, from a tree fern.
2: So from just these three tiny specks you can start to get a picture of what was in the spot where these fossils were collected three million years ago. The dinoflagellate tells us we're in the sea. The fern spore and bits of leaf cuticle tell us that we're near a bit of coastline with a temperate forest. If we kept looking at this slide we'd find more and more tiny fossils to build up a more detailed picture of the area. It's like a piece of music where one instrument comes in after the other and generates this rich symphony. New Zealand scientists have been putting together these fossil pollen symphonies for decades, faithfully recording them and filing them away.
1: Every time somebody looked at a fossil, they had a system where they wrote a page of where the rock was from. And then on the back side of the page, they wrote what fossils they found. But in the last 20 years or so, we've been digitising all those. So now they're all online.
2: That must have been a very um, long and tedious job. (laughs) A long and
1: tedious job, but it certainly unlocks these thousands of slides on samples in a way that they certainly wouldn't be otherwise. And so now there's a bit more than a million fossil observations that have been taken from the last 60 plus years and, and are now online for anyone to see.
2: This database of tiny fossils lets Joe Preble do something pretty fascinating. He and his colleagues can put together fossil pollen timelines which go back tens of millions of years. They can actually see plants evolving and going extinct and there are hard numbers to back it all up.
1: If you were to fly back and go and sit in a, in a forest 20 million years ago, you probably wouldn't tell immediately that it was different. There would still be trees that looked a lot like rimu and trees that, that were um, looking like tawhai and, and things like that. But, um, for example, there weren't any grasses really in New Zealand back then. Things like daisies as well. They were evolved and they were probably in New Zealand, but they became a lot more dominant in the, in the vegetation from about 15 million years, and that's telling you something about the climate. So it's a difficult, it's, it's an interesting, <laughs> interesting balance between um, what is a climate effect and what is an evolutionary effect, and also there are a whole lot of tectonic effects. And so, um, as as the Southern Alps started to to rise, maybe about 10 million years or so ago, that created a whole lot more um, niches where where different plants could um, live as well. And you can actually
2: see that happening, sort of as the Southern Alps come up, you can see
1: the plants around them changing. As we, as we look at our 2,000 foss- uh, samples from around, the, from around New Zealand, closer towards the present, we see a greater diversity, a, gra- a greater range of um, different types of assemblages, reflecting a greater range of, of environments that are, that are in the New Zealand, um, around the New Zealand landmass.
0: Joe
2: Preble has been most recently working with the Fossil Pollen Database to look at how plant life in New Zealand has changed since the Miocene, a period which began about 23 million years ago and ended about 5 million years ago.
1: In the middle Miocene, so around 15-16 million years, the landmass of New Zealand was quite a different shape. There weren't southern Alps yet. It was sitting quite a few degrees further south, so somewhere at about the, the latitude of the sub-Antarctic Islands? So quite a long way south. Quite quite a long way further south, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, But despite that, there was still, even though it was was quite a bit further south, there were still plants that were a lot warmer than what we see today in New Zealand. Fossil pollen that we see is is of trees and and plants that are today more commonly found and maybe not absolute tropical, but subtropical. um, Definitely Definitely a lot warmer warmer than than we have today, absolutely.
2: Scientists think the warm temperatures in the middle Miocene were partly caused by huge emissions of carbon dioxide from a series of enormous volcanic eruptions in North America. And global temperatures rose about four degrees in response. Over time, temperatures dropped and the world entered a period of global cooling, which was bad news for the semi-tropical plants of New Zealand.
1: We lose a a whole bunch of pollen types and, and tree species. Lose
2: completely, or they just become rare? Yeah,
1: they lose. They we've we've lost completely since the since the warmth of the of the Miocene, 15 million years ago. We had the vegetation we had was um, had a whole lot more tropical and subtropical as we've cooled over the over the last um, 15 million years or so. Many of those species have become extinct in New Zealand.
2: The reason scientists like Joe Preble are so interested in the Miocene, and particularly the Middle Miocene is that it's the most recent time in Earth's history where global CO2 levels reach the same heights we're seeing today, thanks to human-caused emissions.
1: It is one way to see what a, what a world looks like that is under carbon dioxide levels mm. slightly higher than present. Of course, once we start looking at, these, at this particular record on millions-of-year resolution, we're looking at a, what we'd call an equilibrium response. So basically what happens to the climate after many thousands of years at that concentration of CO2. Mm. So it's basically, you know,
2: presuming that we don't bring carbon dioxide emissions under control, it's what we could be looking at in the long run.
1: On the to- on the scale of hundreds and thousands of years if the climate continues on its current path of or if the carbon dioxide continues on its current path and the warmth continues then yes biogeography changes. Plants mm. plants move.
0: Thanks Joe. That's palynologist Joe Preble from GNS Science. And thanks too to William Ray who produced that story. I'm Alison Balance and this our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ National on the 9th of August 2018. If you'd like to listen to this story again, check out the photos or find more stories to listen to. Just truck along to our webpage rnz.co.nz Slash Our Changing World. You can sign up for our weekly email newsletter there too, and find our contact details. We are available on the RNZ app, and we are RNZ Our Changing World on your favourite podcast provider. We post links to all our stories on Twitter and Facebook, where we are RNZ Science. Bye for now, Mātai wa.